Welcome to Diamond and Diamond Lawyers Podcast Real Estate Division. We have here today Sanjay Sony, a senior counsel with Diamond and Diamond who practices in area of real estate law, and Nick De Silva, the principal broker and president of Northwood Mortgage. Today we're going to be talking about market rates, mortgages, mix, investment tools, uh, where we see the market going now, what it was like five years ago and ten years ago, and some fun questions about these guys knowing that they've known each other for a long time about what kind of stuff they like on their pizza, their coffee and types of food. Diamond and Diamond has this great jingle and everyone knows it. And it's 1-800-567-HER-DIAMOND-AND-DIAMOND. But then I also know if I know one other jingle, it's Northwood Mortgage. (laughs) I think so on and so forth. So um, this obviously goes back a long way. Northwood has been around for years already. When, When did Northwood start, first of all? Northwood started back in around 1990. So we've been around about 33 years. Wow. And the jingle came out in the early 2000s. Uh, we were doing a lot of advertising on the 680. Right. And um, you know, we talked to some marketing folks and they thought, hey, let's get a jingle together and see how it plays out. And there was a number of different um, varieties and versions presented to us. And the one that you hear on the radio is the one that was chosen and it has worked quite well for us. Can I ask you a dumb question? Which one was the worst jingle? Do you still remember? <laughs> I don't remember which one was the worst <laughs> jingle, but you know, I, I go, I come through the airport. People ask me where I work. I tell them and then, you know, the customs officer starts singing it to me. I'm getting my, my tires changed and the guy sees my jacket and says, I know you Northwood. And I, he starts singing it. Yeah. Everyone seems to know the jingle. It's a well-known jingle out there. And as Isaac was saying, there's a few companies out there who've done very well with their jingles and yeah. Northwood is one of them. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Now, obviously, I know you didn't start at Northwood and obviously in 1990, you had a little bit of a different path. Um, so I saw that you went to the University of Toronto. Tell me kind of your path into, you know, private lending. Wow, that takes back a ways. Um, I was in a co-op program and um, I was the last person in when choosing um, job placement. So I got placed at uh, Canada Trust. I was late one day coming in again for work and um, jobs were being assigned and I got assigned to the loans department and that was the start of my career in in lending. And so, you know, my career through retail banking was mostly on the lending side. Um, I left uh, Canada Trust, joined National Trust, who eventually merged with Scotiabank. And then, you know, some old buddies of mine who were at Scotiabank left to go to HEPCO Credit Union. They called me over. I went over there to start the mortgage brokeraging side with them. You know, my career path has always been on the mortgage lending side, right? Through the retail banking. Got it. So you've gone through many, many years of ups and downs, market pressures, high interest rates, low interest rates. Um, Tell me, you know, over the past 30 years, have you seen the trend kind of be cyclical? How, how does it, how does the market react if you look at it as a long period? Cause some people get crazy now, you know, we're talking about a, a situation where interest rates are high, you know, we're talking about 7%, 8% on homes, uh, private lending is, you know, upwards to 10, 11%, maybe even 12, 13, depending on what kind of mortgage you're taking. But more importantly, I mean, you've seen the trend over 30 years. So, you know, I don't know what it was like in the early nineties, I didn't have a mortgage, so I never paid attention. Right. I was, I was a teenager. So what was it like, if you look at it over 30 years is kind of cyclical trends, are they the same? Is it worse? Is it better? Um, we used to look at a five-year cycle, right? There used to be a five-year cycle that everyone used to follow. And then another group started following the U S elections every four years. 
right, to see how the market would react to a new incoming presence, something along those lines. So yes, there used to be cycles, four and five year cycles that you could follow. And then, you know, once we got into the early 2000s, that cycle sort of ex expanded out as um, the head of the U.S. Fed started to do what we call the Goldilocks theory, mm -hmm. not too hot, not too cold. He'd pull in interest rates when he required and let it out when he required. And he kept the, you know, the economy going quite nicely until ooh, about 2007, 2008, when you had the financial crisis. After that, I mean, into 2009, we again have an extended cycle of good real estate, and which means good uh, for lawyers as well and stuff like that, which lasted till about 2017. So we had almost like eight, nine year cycle, right? And then we saw the market sort of uh, pull back in 2017, go quiet in 18, and then pick back up again in 2019. And again, run for, well, it ran till 2022. So again, a shortened cycle. But again, now we're dealing with a whole different situation with COVID. So Sanjay, you, I mean, you've obviously, I'm not suggesting that you're my vintage <laughs> or that you're older than me, but, but it's very possible, well, that, yeah. very <laughs> possible that you've practiced much longer than I have. Yeah. Um, so during your years of practice, especially in real estate law, and you know, we're talking about market pressure that, that Nick was talking about over, you know, cyclical times, how did it affect kind of real estate closings? What did you see in times of uh, prosperity versus times of recession? I mean, what, are, what do you see from a legal side? Uh, from a legal side, um, uh, I mean, from a legal side, we see uh, different. We were actually we were just talking about it. I think before we went on air here, is that there's a lot of pressure on the consumer themselves when we get into markets like we have today, in terms of closings, right? So, for example, um, the current pressure on people is they may have bought a property that was. Uh, uh, they bought four or five years ago at a higher price and now closing that property with a mortgage has become a problem because it's it's uh, they thought they would have the money at the time and now they have to actually qualify for that mortgage and they don't qualify or um, the, the banks have become much tighter or the mortgage institutions have become much tighter in terms of what they want to lend out. So do you find that that properties are just not closing? Uh, unfortunately, we're starting to see that more and more. Uh, week by week, we really are. And what's happening is that uh, people are getting um, uh, to closing and then two or three days before we find out that they don't have a mortgage and then they either have the alternative of not closing and potentially getting sued for that or losing their deposit or going potentially to the private lender space as well too, which gets very expensive. Right, yeah. right. And so, and and Nick, this is, you know, your, your company offers a variety of solutions, right? I mean, I understand that Northward does uh, mortgages with respect to banks and mortgages with respect to private lending as well. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, just step back once um, a little bit here. If you look back at the late 80s, early 90s, we had double digit interest rates, right. not the crazy stuff you saw in the early 80s, but you know, certainly 10, 11%. And over a period of time, it started to come down. I mean, we had the extended recession in the early 90s. And so rates had started to come down. And we've got into a habit right now where we think, you know, a 2% yeah. mortgage is the norm. And a lot of people don't realize that that's not the norm. Oh, so, yeah. you know, they buy property to what Sanjay was yeah. talking about. I'm going to close. I'm going to get a 2% mortgage. And today the rates are more typical of where rates have been over an extended period of time. So you have people not qualifying. And then, you know, there's things you can't tell, right? Where Aussie comes in with new rules. There's a stress test that's thrown in here, which people who bought didn't really 
or would have known about and oops, we got a problem here right now. Then people change their jobs, you know, they go borrow more money and then they go back to the bank and say, okay, time to close our mortgage. And then they have a problem. So, I mean, now we're dealing with banks who have the screws being put to them by Aussie. Um, the underwriting is tightening up. You've got the stress test, you have higher interest rates. Um, the B lenders um, or what we call the alternative lenders, um, they're still facing the same kind of scrutiny as um, the more senior bank type lenders. So where people are unfortunately being forced to or, or being driven to is the private lender. Um, you know, they're equity style lenders. Mm -hmm. There are short-term solutions, um, but if you're going in that kind of route, you do need to have an exit strategy, right? And we deal with lawyers quite often with those kind of uh, programs. So for those people out there that don't understand what do you mean by exit strategy, I call Northwood and I say, Northwood, bank won't give me mortgage. I got a house closing. It's $2 million. I got 25% down, but I don't meet the stress test. What, what does Northwood, what do you guys do? Well, the first thing we do is sit down and try and educate the client on the kind of situation they're in. I mean, they're putting down a very big chunk of money. Um, and again, to be stuck with a private lender for a long-term period of time is not really um, a good economic decision to make. Um, you are paying you know, high single digits, even into low uh, double digits right now for a first mortgage. So this is, should not be a long-term plan to keep a house. If that's your long-term plan, sell the house and move on. Yeah. The long-term plan, the exit strategy is to move ideally to an alternative lender or a, or a senior, what we call a lender, bank type lender, who is gonna offer you the best rate on the market. And so most people that need a private lender have, have not educated themselves. They've got themselves in some kind of problems or trouble, or they just don't realize what it takes. So it takes some education saying, hey, this is how these are steps that you need to do. Now, if you bought the house, probably not gonna get it fixed before you close, but over, a 12-month period, you should be able to fix the issue. You should be able to create the right habits, the good habits that would lead to, you know, pr producing the right type of information that the lenders are looking for so that you can end up moving that mortgage across to an alternative or an A lender. Got it. And when you say A lender, you mean a bank? A bank uh, or someone like that who is offering the lowest rates on the market. And you deal with all of the banks, is that right? We and deal with, we deal with most of the banks. Um, there's a couple of banks, Royal and CIBC, to be named, <laughs> who do not deal directly with mortgage brokers at this point in time, but the others do deal through the broker channel. Got it. And a lot of times I assume people would come to you because you can actually negotiate better rates. I'll give you a little history. Um, going back to my days at uh, Scotiabank, um, they had a brokerage division and I was working in the branches and I found that I was competing with the brokerage division my own company for the client. Um, the brokerage divisions, we shop wholesale when we go to these lenders. We also go to lenders that are not on every street corners. We, we're called monoline lenders. They are financed through different institutions, some of the banks, insurance companies, et cetera. And they do offer very, very good rates. Uh, yesterday before I left the office, I got a call from one of them saying, hey, I got a rate special for you, right? I won't put it in writing to you. It's exclusive. It's to a, a certain group of brokers. Here's, here's what I have for you. And they have now undercut all the other lenders by about a quarter of a point, right? So we get access to wholesale funds. They're not asking for you to transfer your, 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 your banking right. across to them. They're looking for the business and they're happy just to get the one-off uh, mortgage at this point in time. Some of the lenders will look for alternative or additional products over a period of time, but the one-off mortgage is what they're looking for to start the relationship.
So it's interesting. So you, you know, as a, as a, as a home buyer, it's almost worth it for me to call Northwood um, off the bat and even compare, because likely what you're saying is that uh, through a broker, I'm likely to get a better rate than going direct. Correct. I mean, there's a lot of different rates out there. Um, again, go back six years ago when you called me up and asked me for what the five-year rate was, I had one rate for you. Today, if you call me up, I have to ask you if it's an insured mortgage, which means you're putting down less than 20% on a purchase below a million dollars. Is it insurable mortgage? Is it over 65% loan to value? Is it a rental property? Is it under 65%? I've got about five different rates to give you if you call me up on a five-year mortgage. So the unfortunate part is a lot of people to go shopping online. They see a good mortgage rate. They go, oh, that applies to me. And they think that's what they're going to get. And then they find out that's not the case. It's not the case, right. So they need to they need to sign with a broker. They need to educate themselves. They need to understand you know, what rate they're going to get, um, how they qualify for a rate, and then take it from there. Can I, it's not just all about rate either. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because we hear that all the time. It, it, everyone's talking about, I got the lowest rate, I got the lowest rate, but it doesn't always mean that it's the best mortgage for them specifically, even within those categories. Correct, correct. I mean, you're looking for customer service, yeah. right? You are looking for uh, something that gives you the kind of product that you need um, that will meet with your needs going forward. Um, a lot of people look for specialty products which may have a line of credit attached to it. Um, you know, sometimes the lowest rate are what do we call these um, flex mortgages, which come with no no additional features. Yeah. And so people get caught in th inside of them. You know, um, they can't move them. They can't refinance them. And somewhere in that term, things come up and they say, okay, I'm going to refinance. And then they find out I can't refinance. I can't move it. I've got to actually sell my house to get out of this mortgage. And, and then the penalty, you know, is a whole different situation there to, uh, to deal with. So customer service, um, understanding what you're asking for, understanding that the fact you need some education, understanding this is probably gonna be a long-term relationship, just like you're gonna have with your lawyer, is vital to making decision on when you're starting to look for a mortgage. Great. And so we've talked about people shopping for new homes and getting mortgages through Northwood, but Northwood also um, deals with investors. Right. Um, I understand that Northwood has a MIC, uh, a mortgage investment company uh, where people can invest into. And you also represent uh, people looking to put out money uh, as an investment. So I guess the question is, if I'm a, uh, a new investor and I'm looking to get into mortgages, explain to the viewers at home, A, what is a MIC? And, you know, what other options are available? And, and how do you guys work that in with any new investors that come? All right. So a mortgage investment company is a company set up under the Income Tax Act so that the income can flow through the company, doesn't get taxed at the corporate level and gets paid out to all investors after whatever expenses are deducted. Um, that interest income or that income is technically dividend income, but it's treated as interest income for tax purposes. Um, it's also what we call a prospectus exempt security under the Ontario Securities Commission rules. So you when we're offering it, we don't offer it with a prospectus, we offer it through an offering memorandum. And so we can only sell to certain type of investors, right? Because you need the exemption. So most of the investors we're looking for are accredited investors. If you meet that criteria, this is a, a relatively safe and good investment to make, um, which, which will pay you a higher return than what the banks are offering. Uh, we're investing in mortgages in the real estate market. Um, we tend to be pr predominantly a GTA type lender. Right, uh, and great offers great return for the kind of risk that you're taking. So, saying the the, the Northwood Mick then, I guess, invests into 
uh, or puts out mortgages on behalf of its investors. And then based on those mortgages, there's some sort of return to the investor. Correct. I mean, we're putting the mortgage out with a rate of return attached to the mortgage and those clients are paying us that rate of return, which in turn, we pay out to our investors, again, less some expenses. Uh, again, it's a great return. I mean, especially as of recent where, you know, if rates were low on the mortgage side, can you imagine where they are on the GIC side, right? And a lot of, you know, investors who are looking for a rate of return to live off of, you know, two and three percent is just not cutting it in in today's world, mm-hmm. right? So they've been looking for alternative solutions to their investing. And on the fixed rate side, this is a great solution. I know a fair number of uh, investment brokers who are now recommending their clients to put at least some of their money into mortgage investment company so that they can get a, a, a good decent return on their investment and your your investment company how what, what is the annual return target so we've been around about 20 years doing this we're one of the older mix that are out there right now um, we have a target rate of eight percent and we've been pretty successful in achieving that eight percent return and again we're investing in first and second mortgages we are considered as you've been discussing a private lender mm-hmm. Um, we we know we are a short-term solution and that's what we are. So, you know, in combination with the mortgage broker that deals with us, um, you know, we give you some education, we help you out of your situation, whatever that might be. And again, the uh, the real goal is to try and get you back in with a lender who is going to help you, you know, lower your, your cash flow, lower your cost of borrowing. So Sanjay, um, we're talking about mix, we're talking about investments, we talked about private lending, we talked about a, a mortgages. On the legal side, tell the, the customers, where does the lawyer get involved? Do you need a lawyer for all of these transactions? Um, and if if not, then why not? So um, for the so the way it's it's divided up essentially into two broad categories. You have your institutional mortgages and you have your private mortgages. Institutional meaning. Institutional meaning one of the larger banks. Yeah. Um, So if you were to go to CIBC, for example, to get your mortgage, uh, you would have the option of either using a lawyer to 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 um, and transact the refinance or a lot of the institutional uh, lenders use third party title insurance companies to transact that uh, same uh, that same refinance. So that's the option that the consumer has. Um, and what if, is it? What's the advantage, disadvantage of going to a third party title insurer versus going to a lawyer? Generally, it's cost. So the way it works is that the costs tend to be lower for a third party provider. But the flip side of that is it could take two to three weeks to get that done. So and it's you get a, legal advice with that. Uh, no, you don't. Okay. You essentially are going through. It's a transaction. They create a transaction. It goes to the third party company. Um, you come back with a set of documents, you're not meeting with a lawyer, and then you sign and the money shows up in your account. Uh, like I said, the whole process takes about two to three weeks. If you use a lawyer to do that, it'll be a lot faster and you will uh, be meeting with a lawyer as well too. And when I say faster, you're probably for an institutional refinance within two or three days, you're probably getting it wow. done as opposed to two or three weeks. A lot faster. Yeah, um, you pay a little bit more for that, but uh, there are oftentimes there are some significant advantages, obviously, of using a lawyer for that. Got it. Uh, and then you have your second, so we're talking about institutional yeah. refunds. So now we're talking about B lenders. So that, that would be large scale lenders or C lenders, what we call private lenders. Yeah, so a private lender in Ontario, um, if it's over a certain amount of money, it's 75,000, you will require two lawyers. So um, the lender has their lawyer, and then the lawyer um, 
it contacts the borrower's lawyer and they work together. And in those situations, both parties are represented and the borrowers will then be speaking to a lawyer during the time they sign their paperwork. And uh, it takes sometimes take a, a little bit longer for the private. There's more involved, but um, generally that that's how it works. You've got two lawyers involved in the privates. Amazing. Now you guys have been working together for a long time. Yeah. Um, not known each other. So I'm now going to do a Nick versus Sanjay rapid fire, <laughs> rapid fire questions. All right. So um, we'll start. You guys just, just chime in and tell me um, you're going to Starbucks. What's your order? Go. Regular coffee, medium. Probably like a lemonade. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Or <laughs> Pineapple on pizza. Oh, no problem. I love it. Love it too. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Yeah. You see the relationship is, is booming. <laughs> basketball or hockey? Basketball for basketball. Yeah. Well, look at these two guys. Two, yeah. peas, two peas in a pod yeah. here. Um, one type of food you can have for the rest of your life for lunch in your office. Tacos. Curry. Curry. Wow. Like any type of curry? Are we just West Indian curry? West Indian, West Indian, West Indian curry. Okay. Good. Very good. Very good. Um, genre of music that you're playing in your car for a long drive? Poolside um, mix. Poolside? What, what is a poolside mix? So you walk into this. this <laughs> Sounds very fancy. Yeah. No, it's not a fancy. <laughs> My kids hate it. They have no idea what it is, but it's just, it's basically you're walking into like a hotel lobby and you hear this music in the background. Is it like that tantric kind of like yoga no, stuff? No, it's not quite that. It's, it's a little bit more funky than that. Okay. But yeah, it's a, that's Nick, playlist. Nick is looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little weird because I would normally be listening to 70s and 80s, but then I'll throw on my reggae, uh, yeah. my channel, well, there you my go. Bob Marley channel on yeah. XM radio. So I get a real, real weird mix. mix kind of yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. And if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world. That I've seen? Um, uh, actually, probably I would say uh, I really enjoyed Singapore a lot. Been there. I like the Caribbean. Yeah. I like the Caribbean. I, I'm just, uh, Nick, I'm noticing a, a, a common thread here. We like the West Indy Curry, yes. the Reggae Channel, the Caribbean. I'm like, you, you know, you, but you get the drift. Yeah, 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 I, get the drift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where oh, his retirement awesome. plan is yeah, going yeah. for sure. Um, as long as you invite us to visit, we're, we're, <laughs> we're happy to support your quest. Yeah. Um, Nick, where do you see the market uh, in the next year? What we've seen over the last month and a little bit is the banks behind the scenes have started to slash interest rates. I'm giving you guys the inside circuits here. Um, the Bank of Canada has kept uh, their, their overnight prime rate where it is, but the banks already are feeling the pinch and they've dropped rates about half a point. And I expect we'll see a little bit more of that, which leads me to believe that uh, based on where the bond market is going, that we might start seeing the Bank of Canada being forced to drop interest rates probably early in next year. Um, the economists have not got down to the point where they're gambling and they're putting out odds of when this is going to happen. And the last I saw is that they're expecting about a 78% chance that we're going to see two rate drops by wow. by June. So the pressure is on. Um, I, you know, I just read an article from Royal Bank that says about 80% of their book of business by 2026 will be um, in high rate mortgages. And yeah. that's going to cause a major concern um, from a delinquency point of view, yeah. because, you know, we go back to where those mortgages were at 2%. They were at 1 point something percent. Now they're going to be renewing at 5 and 6%. They're not prepared for this. Um, a lot of the trouble 
we see people get into is not that they get a big mortgage, is they get a big mortgage and then they go and buy a new car and they finance it or they renovate the house and they finance it, yep. right? Um, this is what causes a lot of problems. So cash flow is going to be a major issue. And uh, unless we want to go into a major recession, I think um, the Bank of Canada is going to be forced to start dropping its rates early next year. So with that being said, um, you know, I expect that the demand sitting on the sidelines who are listening right now are prepped, they're ready. Um, they're looking to see where the, the peak in interest rates were, mm -hmm. which would give us the low of where the real estate market is. And I think you're at it right now. Yeah. So if you're thinking of buying, I think now is the time to make your move, even though rates are high. I expect rates will start dropping um, next year and I expect the real estate market to go crazy. So, I, I mean, I know I'm not asking for your advice, or, and, and we're going to put a disclaimer on this, <laughs> yes, but absolutely. I mean, it sounds, it sounds to me though, like, yeah. you know, locking into a fixed rate now for five years doesn't make sense then. Strange enough, you know, the, the lenders are, they're pushing this, uh, these rate sales on the five year, but yeah. no, I would not be locking in long-term. I mean, you're going variable rate mortgage or a one or two year term. Yeah. The, again, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball to tell me what geopolitical issues are going to, you know, come to the surface. Okay, we're lawyers, we'll, like, we'll hold every word against you. We have it recorded. But, and <laughs> you know, short of something along those lines. I mean, yeah. I, I see the market uh, turning. I, I, I mean, you just look at the spring. Rates held between January and June and the market was taken off. I mean, mm -hmm. we were seeing record prices in my neighborhood, yeah. right? With high interest rates. And then the bank can obviously stepped in, pushed up rates half a point more, you know, turned up the gas and things cooled down a little bit. But now we're looking at rate drops. I mean, now that we're, that we're talking about interest rate drops, both here and in the U.S. And I think once we start seeing that, once we, we get a good feel that this is where the peak of the interest rate hikes are, I think you're going to see people coming off the sidelines and looking to buy. Amazing. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for both coming here today. It's been really informative. I've learned a lot, Nick. Yeah. Uh, Sanjay, thanks, thanks for, for joining thank us today. You. And, uh, you know, we look forward to some more chats. If you have any questions, listeners, you can contact myself, Isaac Ziskin, uh, Sanjay Sony from Diamond and Diamond, or Nick De Silva from Northwood Mortgage. We working, working harder for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Isaac.